This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Budweiser Reds Hot Stove League, presented by United Dairy Farmers. The Reds are on the radio. The Hot Stove League is brought to you by the Holy Grail Banks Tavern and Grill, Norcom, your audiovisual information technology solutions provider, Norcom.com, JTM Food Group. Let's create great dishes together. Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, and by MSA Design, Design Create. Stove League on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome into the Reds Hot Stove League, as always, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. I am Tommy Thrall. Thanks so much for joining us. The phone number is 513-749-1360. We'll get to your phone calls coming up a little bit later on. We will have some time for some phone calls today, so go ahead, get in line, and uh, let's talk some Reds baseball on what is a very chilly and rainy day, as it has been all day here in Cincinnati. Uh, talking with uh, the Cowboy Jeff Brantley to start the show. Wade Miley will be our guest a little bit later on, and we have a wide range of topics to discuss on today's Hot Stove League. So let's get right into it. Welcome in the Cowboy Jeff Brantley. Cowboy, hope you had a Merry Christmas with your family. Everything was great, buddy. Hope you did the same. Hope all of our listeners uh, had great Christmases. There is no question about that. Well, uh, there's, a, there's certainly a lot of topics to talk about, but I want to get right into this one because yesterday was the anniversary of the demolition of Riverfront Stadium. Now, we talked earlier, and we, we kind of went over some topics. I'm springing this one on you unexpectedly, but uh, you've got some memories from Riverfront, do you not? I do, um, both good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of the way it goes, isn't it? Well, I can remember pitching there as a young San Francisco Giant and pitching for the Giants against the Reds. And this was um, this was a pretty good Reds club back in those days. And I I remember coming in and and having seeing all the city and you know just just being in the stadium and and feeling like okay, this is where Johnny Bench and Pete and Concepcion and Perez all these guys played. And I thought. God, and I got out on the mound, and I, I just got nervous. And, and I, I thought, man, what the heck is going on with me? Nine runs later, I was out of the ball game, and I'd only gotten two outs. Well, so, you know, we see that from time to time in a game. So you obviously sympathize, right, with those guys that are having a tough time on the mound, right? That, that's, it's, it's strictly sympathy when you see a pitcher struggling like that. <laughs> I don't have any sympathy for them. <laughs> yeah, you, I just, you, I just I feel like they're unprepared because for me in that moment, I was unprepared. There you go. See, you had to wear it. They can too. That's just the way the game works sometimes. Uh, well, there's certainly uh, a lot going on in the world of baseball. There's certainly some un- uh, there is certainly 
uncertainty in the game right now as uh, we navigate our way through a very unique offseason heading into the 2021 season. But uh, there was an article I read recently uh, that I thought was relatively interesting. Don Mattingly, the manager of the Marlins, uh, one of many managers to talk about kind of the state of the game of baseball right now. And, and, and it seems like it's a popular topic that people talk about. It's been talked about over the last few years. Uh, and it, it's the fact that maybe there's just not enough action in the game of baseball. And I, for one, am one that feels like the game of baseball right now, if you look at it through a different lens, you could say the game is the best it's been. Now, I know maybe from an action standpoint, uh, that might be a, a, a different viewpoint. But when you look at the talent that's in the game right now, pitching the way it is, uh, you see a lot of very good offensive players that are still somehow able to hit perhaps the best pitching that we've seen in the game. Um, uh, th there are a lot of things to like about where baseball is. Certainly the, the athletes seem to be uh, better now than, than what we've seen in the past. But from an ap actual action standpoint, and that is balls being put in play, it, 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 there's no denying that there are more strikeouts, uh, there's more walks, and then home runs. Those are the three true outcomes that we see and often hear about. So when you look at the game of baseball, uh, kind of how do you size all that up? How do you explain that? I know people feel like uh, if you outlaw the shift, that'll take care of some of this. I don't feel like it's that simple, and there's a lot more to it. How, what's your take on all that? Well, I, I don't know that, that outlawing a shift is going to take everything away, but I do think the the shift is the predominant cause of, of a lot of the ills that, that people feel are, are going on really smothering the, the action in the game. Um, I, I do think that you have better athletes. I think you have harder throwers. Um, and I think you have guys that you have more guys that can hit the ball out of the ballpark uh, over 20 times. And any time that you're a, a 20 home run hitter, then you feel like you can hit 40. Uh, it's just a, a natural progression of guys as they get older and get more wise at the big league level. I, I think that when you're, when you're shifting as much as we do now, it, it, there's no longer a couple of places to get hitters out. I know in, in scouting reports when I was playing, they, they would give you two or three different scenarios as to where a weakness was in a, in a hitter's swing or where he made contact. And, and so many pitchers back in those days uh, would, would pitch to contact, especially starting pitchers. Not so much as you got towards the end of the game, but starting pitchers really tried to make you make weak contact early in the count. We don't really see that much anymore. We're, we're seeing starting pitchers push to get strikeouts, go right to the, the hole in a batter swing to the pull side, whether that's up and in or whether it's down and in. You see hard throwers going to that area right away. And I think that because of that, you see a lot of strikeouts, but you also see mistakes within the zone because if you're pitching inside to a batter, uh, you're not trying to hit them. You're trying to hit the inside corner. And if you leave the ball middle end, that's the ball they hit out of the ballpark. So that gives you your, your home run number. So your, your margin for error has really been taken away. And you're not going to have as many balls put in play because you've got pitchers on the mound that are pitching for a strikeout from pitch number one rather than once they get to two strikes. We often talk about pitchers not going as deep into games, and we also talk in the same vein about uh, how sometimes high-stress innings can maybe shorten a pitcher's outing. And so maybe, uh, say a guy's thrown 95 pitches, but 
uh, he had a couple of high-stress innings in there. It almost seems like it's getting to a point now because pitchers are trying to execute and they're, they're so fine with what they're trying to do on every pitch that almost every pitch is a high-stress pitch in this day and age. Is that an accurate statement? I, I think to a certain extent. You, you hear the, the terminology uh, extending the lineup, making your lineup deeper, uh, making everyone a tough out. I think that in in the general manager's process and, and the way that they go about stacking their lineup now is much different than, especially in the National League, than what we used to see. And that may be only about 10 years ago. Today, you can you can really have a middle infielder that does not have a whole lot of range uh, play a shortstop, third base, or second base because of the shift in the way that you you play guys on the infield. And with that being said, what I'm saying is that you're not just having a middle infielder that's judged by how they catch the baseball as they were many years ago. You were always, you always would see a guy that could cover a lot of ground at shortstop and second base, but maybe they couldn't hit very well. Uh, you don't really see that anymore. If, if you've got a bat in the, if you've got a, a position on the field, they expect you to hit and hit with authority. So, Defense has kind of been pushed to the right a little bit, and more focus has been on guys that can swing the bat. You no longer get to the big leagues just because you can catch and throw the baseball. Rewinding a little bit and talking about the shift, it's something that, and you you talked about it, I'm in agreement, I don't know that outlawing the shift is necessarily the solution because I think we're already starting to see the game uh, evolve a little bit with regards to offensive approach. And, and I think we saw it a little bit at the end of the 2019 season. I, I think you saw at bats by red hitters in particular uh, where guys were, were I, I guess, getting creative a little bit offensively to try to be productive at the plate, whether that was driving a run, get a guy over. Uh, we started to see more of that when the Reds went on their run at the end of last season. I think teams are starting to understand across Major League Baseball that, hey, 114-mile-per-hour uh, exit velocity at a shortstop that's standing in shallow right field to a hitter's pull side isn't as productive as an 85-mile-an-hour exit velocity ground ball to a vacated left side that scores a run from second <laughs> base. I feel like the game is finally starting to realize that, and hitters are starting to catch up to that. Right. I, I think that we are seeing that, but we're not seeing it on a regular basis. And I think that folks that come to the ballpark want to see that more often. I, I think that is the, the question that's being asked by the fan that, is there for baseball every day when they see a vacated spot on the infield and a runner standing at third base in less than two outs, why are we not trying, why can we not hit that part of the infield? And I think, I think you're going to continue to hear that question. I think it's going to get louder and louder, especially the more times that you see guys with the uppercut swing and popping up to the infield with a runner at third and you don't get the running. I, and and I think this is something – I hope this is something that is starting to change. I think it is. I, I feel like that's the direction the game's starting to go. So from that regard, uh, if hitters are going to, to start adjusting their approach a little bit and, and trying to hit the other way uh, against a shift, uh, boy, I think that 
that means that all of a sudden now you have to have the pitchers adjust conversely as well because that's what the game's about, constantly adjusting to what the other side's trying to do. We'll continue this conversation, plus we've got more to talk about on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League. It's always presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. The Reds Hall of Fame and Museum presented by Dinsmore is proud to present the Johnny Bench Home Run Collection. Each of the 389 baseballs are autographed and numbered by Johnny and delivered in a deluxe display frame with a photo collage and certificate of ownership. Limited quantities remain. Details are available now at redsmuseum.org. Still time to... uh, Get your calls in and get lined up. We'll take some phone calls a little bit later on in the show. 513-749-1360. If you want to be a part of the Reds hot stove. We continue talking some baseball and Reds baseball with the Cowboy Jeff Brantley here in the uh, first half hour of the show. Uh, Cowboy, when when you look at the offseason, you look at the NL Central in particular, and there is a lot of movement. In fact, it seems like there is a mass exodus of talent among the NL Central, and as a Reds fan, you've got to look at that uh, and, and kind of realize, hey, the Reds, the Reds figured to be uh, picked at the top of this division, if not first, maybe second, uh, and, and everybody has a chance to win this division the way things are going, especially when you look at the Cubs. The Reds, by comparison, really haven't lost a whole lot, uh, and of course, assuming Trevor Bauer doesn't return, that's obviously uh, a big loss, but at the same time, the Reds have some starting pitching, so uh, when you when you stack up everybody else, the Reds aren't in bad shape here in the Central. Well, I, I think that any club, whether you're in the Central or, or wherever you may be, I think a lot of it depends on how you're how you're developing your kids that are that are coming up and how much experience that they got the year before. I think in this day and age of uh, overemphasis on statistics, especially for younger players. Um, there, there's no, there doesn't seem to be the, the explanation of what experience does for you that first year. I, I don't really worry so much about just numbers for guys that come to the big leagues. I worry more about getting that experience in crucial spots in that first year because from first year to second year, I think that's the time that we see the biggest rise for guys. And when you talk about first year to second year and you're talking about guys that got some serious experience, I'm kind of excited about the catching position. First of all, you've got Tucker Barnhart, who's won a couple of gold gloves, and then it figures that we'll see Tyler Stevenson behind him. And when you're talking about experience at the big league level, I thought he got some serious experience behind the plate and obviously showed in a small sample what he's capable of offensively, although that explosion that he had at the plate in limited at bats. I don't know that that's necessarily something you expect on a daily basis. Well, you and I have spent a good bit of time with Tyler Stevenson uh, on the caravan, a tremendous kid um, and a big kid for a catcher. Uh, He's a big boy with some, with some big power that we have seen. I think the, the Reds biggest concern was, would he be ready catching wise behind the plate to, to handle all the intricacies that, you have with a, a major league staff and all of the scouting reports that, that go back and forth and the numbers that you have out there. And I think that's one of the reasons that even though Tyler may not have been playing on the big league club for the most part in 2020, 
he was still there and he was still going through the drills. He was sitting in on the scouting reports. He was listening to guys like Trevor Bauer and Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo talk about their how they want to pitch certain guys. He's getting to sit in the dugout watching games, reactions from pitchers as, as they would come back and forth. And probably his, his greatest asset was getting to spend time with, with Tucker Barnhart and, and Kurt Casale. I think that anytime that you can have that, that bit of experience, it's going to help you as you move forward. It can't help but help a guy that, that has the type of talent that we've seen in Tyler. Well, there's no question, and uh, I, I'm excited to see because I think he's a guy that would, could really be poised for a breakout season. I think he'll see a lot of playing time back there, too, behind the plate. What, what, how, do, how do you envision that? Do you see that as a straight platoon, at least this year, between him and Tucker? I think that Tucker will probably get the majority of the playing time, and, and that's rightfully so. I mean, he's a, he's a gold glove catcher. But I don't think that uh, Tyler is going to be one that's going to be doing a watching all the time. I think he's going to get to play. I think he's going to see some time at the end of ball games to come in and catch. I think he's going to, to see some time where uh, a day game is on one day and he, or a night game one day, he catches, catches the day game the next day. And if, if there's a left-handed starter on the mound, even though we don't see him a whole lot in this division, if there's a left-handed starter on the mound, he's going to be the one that's in there hitting. And, uh, when you have a guy like Kyle Farmer on your bench as well, don't don't let that be lost because, as you talk about, you, you have the flexibility to bring a guy like Tyler Stevenson off the bench, using him as a pinch hitter late uh, because you have that security blanket with a guy like Kyle Farmer. So it, it really opens up uh, some possibilities. We'll see how that whole situation plays out. Always seems to just take care of itself. Uh, before we let you go, obviously a lot of rumors surrounding this team. I, I think when, when Reds fans look at, at the rumors that are out there, uh, it, it's kind of a cautionary tale. You can't necessarily buy into everything that you see. It almost seems as though as a, a team like the Reds, you have to be responsible and listen to everything and every call about somebody. Just because you're listening doesn't necessarily mean uh, that, that you are actively trying to trade pieces. Is that something you'd agree with, or, or do you see the offseason possibly going in a different direction? No, I, I think that any general manager that's out there has to be able to, to listen. Unless a player has a definite no-trade clause in their contract, then you have to listen on him because that, that's, how you, that's how you really find out what teams are willing to give up. Uh, you may throw a Sonny Gray or Luis Castillo out there or Mike Moustakas or, or Eugenio Suarez. Because, and the reason that you throw them out there is teams, teams want them. They're good players. They, they, want, they would like to have them on their club. But in that sense, you get an idea of what they're willing to give up for that player that they really want. So if you have a player that maybe you'd like to trade and you're not getting a whole lot of conversation about him, at least you know this is what I can expect to get, or at least this is what is out there on the market. Well, there's, there's no question. I think that's a, a good way to look at it. Cowboy, thanks as always, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, buddy. Happy New Year, man. Hey, same to you. Happy New Year. That's the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley. We'll take your phone calls next, 513-749-1360. It's the Reds Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Time to take your phone calls now. 
513-749-1360. Again, 513-749-1360. If you want to be a part of the show, give us a call. This is Tommy Thraw. Thanks for listening, talking some Reds baseball. Uh, as we wind down 2020, finally, I think we are uh, all in agreement that we are ready to see 2020 go. Hopefully 2021 will bring um, much more joy to the world. That's for sure. That's certainly what we're, we're hoping for, and hopefully it will bring uh, some joy to Reds baseball as well. I, I, I know there's a lot of concern. Uh, you read the reports. You see certain guys that, that are uh, the Reds are reportedly interested in trading. I, I think... Uh, and I talked about this with, with Cowboy last segment. I think it's important to note that there is a distinct difference between uh, teams are interested in somebody and the Reds are interested in trading them. I, I, th- th- there are certain things that I think the Reds would have to get in return to move certain pieces as well, uh, and, and it, I think it's all situational as well. But uh, I, I, I wouldn't expect, if you think that this team's on the verge of a uh, full rebuild, I just don't expect that to, uh, to be the case this offseason. Could be wrong. Uh, we'll see. But I, I, I think for the most part, this team will be intact. And, and when you look at this team uh, and you look at what the Reds did uh, in 2020, I think there was, the, there was more uh, that this team was capable of offensively uh, than what they produced in, in 2020. And I think when you look at, w- at what's returning, I think over the course of a, a full season, I think Nick Castellanos uh, puts up better numbers. I think Mike Moustakis has a better year. It's a difficult year for A. Eugenio Suarez. Uh, but I think there was a lot going on with him as well last year. That, that, was, that was a tough year for a lot of people. Um, and, and I don't think baseball players – are immune to the difficulties that that last season uh, and and that this year has presented to all of us. I I think everybody uh, certainly is is dealing with everything, and 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 I don't think uh, baseball players are exempt from that. So it was a difficult year for a lot of guys. So I think when you look at the overall big picture of this Reds team, uh, I think the offense. If you go into 2021 and the offense looks much like it did a year ago, and the Reds obviously have a hole at shortstop that they need to address. And the Reds may have to get creative to find uh, find a way to fill that void. I, I don't know who necessarily is at the top of the wish list there. Certainly some good names are out there. D.D. Gregorius, that's a guy I'd love to see at short. Um, I, another guy that, that I think would be a great shortstop, uh, is a great shortstop defensively, has hit a little bit at times, and Drelton Simmons would look good in a Reds uniform at shortstop at Great American Ballpark. Uh but, but how do you bring those pieces in? What do the Reds need to do to, to make that happen? Well, uh, we'll see. It's a, it's a difficult task. Uh, Nick Crawl's certainly got his work cut out for him to try to fill that void, but I, I, I have confidence that he will find a way uh, to fill the voids that uh, exist with this Reds team. But I think that's, that's the biggest hole. If you're, if you're to look at it, I think that's one. I think starting pitching depth is something else that the Reds need to address. Uh, the bullpen probably a little bit with the loss of Rysel Iglesias. But I also think that there's probably a little bit more bullpen depth uh, than, than what we may just see on the surface. A, a guy that, you know, I, I, I read some comments uh, from Kyle Bodie about Jose De Leon, and he feels like Jose De Leon is a guy that is poised for a big breakout in 2021. He's worked on some things. He's tweaked some things. He was throwing harder 
uh, midway through the season last year than he was uh, when the Reds got him from the race. So the velocity was up, the changeup was good, and now they just have to find a way to kind of rein him in a little bit. You look at the numbers and you think, are uh, Jose De Leon? You're nuts. And I get that. He struggled last year. But the, the, this coaching staff has done wonders with a lot of pitchers. And uh, I, I think it's reasonable to expect that uh, Jose De Leon could be a, a, a pretty big piece of the Reds' bullpen next year. Maybe not, but it's certainly a possibility. Uh, the guy that we're going to have on next, Wade Miley, will figure to be a part of the Reds' rotation. Uh, and, and I think there's, there's certainly not as much rotational depth as the Reds would like. Uh, but you also have to factor in that when the Reds traded uh, for Trevor Bauer two years ago, kind of the consensus was, well, what are the Reds adding more pitching for? They've got a lot, and not much has changed from that. There's, there's still quite a few guys that uh, are a part of this team that were still a part of the team then. You'll have Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo figures to be uh, continuing to progress as, as he continues to develop and mature. And then Wade Miley, Tyler Malley. And then where do you fit in the, the fifth spot? Is it Michael Lorenzen? Does a guy like TJ Antone fit into that rotation? Uh, there's certainly some pieces to still like uh, about this Reds pitching staff. Again, the phone number, 513-749-1360. Sign your son or daughter up for the coolest club in all of Reds country for only $30. Your child can become a Reds Heads Kids Club member and get an exclusive backpack, jersey, sunny gray bobblehead, free Reds tickets, and access to members-only activities. Purchase today at Reds.com slash A message club. from DAV to all returning veterans. We'll be right back with uh, excuse me, Wade Miley. After this, it's the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. And uh, continuing on now as we welcome in our next guest, Reds pitcher Wade Miley. Wade, how's the offseason going? Oh, not too bad, man. Not too bad. Well, the, the real question is, how are the uh, fish biting and uh, perhaps the gators, too? How, how, how's that going for you? <laughs> I stay away from the gators as much as possible. <laughs> That's good. You still do any fishing, though? Yeah, I've been fishing quite a bit. I've uh, been hunting a little bit more here lately. Uh, the weather's been pretty good down here, so we've been uh, we've been in the woods quite a bit. What are you What are you getting right now? Uh, deer, white tail deer. Just deer. All right. I didn't know if there was anything yeah. else. You know, down in Louisiana, I just feel like things are a little different down there, and uh, I thought maybe uh, <laughs> you might hunt a little differently down there. Uh, it just all depends. Uh, we, we we try to keep it as, as clean as possible and just. Uh, as close as possible in, in the deer department. Well, well the alligators and all the other stuff. Do you uh, do you still eat quite a bit of gator meat down there? Uh, not not all that much. No. I got a couple pottings that catch some um, during the season, and, and we'll, we'll eat it every now and again, but not a whole lot. Okay, so it wasn't uh, wasn't smoked gator on the dinner table Christmas Day. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, let's talk some baseball. Um, I, 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 I've got to feel like there's probably nobody more eager to get the 2021 season started than you. First year with your new team here with the Reds, uh, battle injuries. Uh, first of all, I guess, do you feel good? Are you back to 100% uh, through the offseason heading into next year? Uh, 
I believe I am. Um, I started cranking things up a, a couple of weeks ago, and I've uh, been throwing a little bit. Uh, some body feels good so far, so just hopefully we can get a get a season going. You know, you hear all this crazy talk about wanting to delay it again, but who knows? I'm just trying to prepare and be ready for uh, when they tell us, let's go. Kind of limited action last year. So when you when you go about your off season, does that noise affect how you prepare for next season? Not necessarily knowing when it's going to start, what it's going to look like, any of that, and knowing that hey, you didn't get as many innings as you would have liked to have last year. Even if you were healthy all year, you would have not had as many starts. Right. So how does how does that affect yeah. things? I think the consistency of things over the last what nine years, and then last year happened that. I mean, it's like we were ramped up, ready to go, and then they should, we, we were shut down for a while and then tried to re-ramp back up, and that was tough. And like right now I'm just preparing. The spring training is going to be February 12th or whatever day it is, and I'm and, and trying to prepare for that, that day and uh, adjust accordingly. Do you feel like when you were in there last year, um, kind of it, it seemed like um, there were times where, where you pitched really well, others – you struggle a little bit. Is that just a product of, of maybe not being all the way back healthy, or is that also a product of just kind of being up and down as far as the season and preparation goes? Well, I think early on um, I felt really good coming back for the second camp. Really great. I was throwing the ball well and then tweaked my growing, I don't know, maybe a week and a half, two weeks before my before it would have been my first start. And, and I, I kind of rested it as best I could and then, I went out and it didn't feel great, and I mean that's kind of when that was my worst outing, my my first one. It just uh, just never really got back until the end of the year before I got really healthy again. And then when I I came back in Milwaukee and felt great, and then my shoulder. So it was just it was just a a grind the whole way. Is that a product of one kind of leads to the other, the groin? Maybe you you, you comp, uh, compensate a little bit more with your arm, and, and that kind of leads to your shoulder getting a little messed up. I think that is what happened in this case because I, I thought I can kind of pitch to the growing and, and, and take it easy on and, and, and maybe I put a little more stress on my shoulder than, than need to be. Um, I mean, it's, it's really unknown. Who knows? Um, but uh, it, it was unfortunate, but at the same time, got, I guess rest. I rested more, so I feel great now. Well, you have time to stick around for a couple more minutes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I have a few more questions for you. Also, gave fans a chance on Twitter to uh, submit some questions. We'll get to those as well coming up. We'll wrap up the Reds Hot Stove League with Wade Miley. When we return, it's presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Wrapping things up on the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Did you know about the Reds Rookies Fan Club? It's perfect for fans up to three years old, whether it's a gift or your uh, or for your little one. The Reds Rookies Club has it all, including a diaper bag clutch and your choice between an organic cotton muslin blanket or Turfus Sippy Cup, plus members-only activities, tickets, and more. For additional information, visit reds.com slash fan clubs. Visiting with uh, Wade Miley as we wrap up the show. And, uh, Wade, I, I'll ask you this before uh, we get into some fan questions. I'm assuming uh, you spent a little time in the bullpen. In fact, you made the last out of the clinching game that uh, punched the Reds' ticket for the uh, postseason. In fact, not only were you on the mound, you literally made the last out. It was a bouncer back to you. Uh, so that was out of the bullpen. I'm assuming you're planning on going back to the rotation for 2021. I'm preparing to go back to the rotation, but at the same time, uh, whatever the needs are, 
of, of, of David and our team. And, um, I mean, I've been a starter my whole career. I was kind of, it was kind of fun coming out of the pen a little bit. Just, uh, I knew I didn't have time to get ready and, uh, was fortunate to be able to get down there and do that. Um, at the same time, it's a long run in with, with not a lot of time <laughs> to get loose. So. Yeah, you don't have to run as far when you go from the dugout to, to start a game. That is that's yeah. a good way to look at it. Uh, let's go yeah, to I've tw- been walking on and off for a while. That's true. Uh, let's go to Twitter and, and get some questions. This one comes from Chris Austin. Uh, have you enjoyed working with the folks from, from Driveline? Kyle Bodie obviously has an impact. Uh, it, it seems like Derek Johnson is employing some of those philosophies as well. Uh, have you had any aha moments since you've joined the Reds and, and worked with the Reds coaching staff? Uh, just picking brains and just learning more about that stuff. Um, obviously, I came up more in a time of more traditional, and it's kind of been it's kind of been coming through as as I've played. So I'm just trying to use things, little things here and there, to just kind of help me prolong as, as long as I can. And um, there's a lot of good information out there. Were there some adjustments you felt like you made throughout the course of the season last year that you're excited to to use moving forward into 2021? I spent the most of last season just trying to get healthy. I mean, I was just going to get out there. We we were working mechanically a little bit more, staying back than than driveline things. But um, my biggest focus last year was trying to find a way to get healthy and, and stay healthy, and um, was finally able to do that toward the end. Another question comes from Carrington. This is the uh, hard hitting stuff. I'm sure you've been waiting for all night. Uh, who has the best shoe game in the locker room? Clubhouse um, with was, the best shoe. Last year when we um, when we got Archie and I played with Archie in Arizona for a couple months, but um, Archie he when he when we traded for him and he brought in six bags, duffel bags full of every shoe you could think of. <laughs> it was pretty strong. Is that a big thing for you? Are you a shoe guy? What's your what's your uniform fashion thing that you that you I'll, latch I'll on? I probably I probably I probably wore the same pair of shoes to the field every day, and and I know I wore the same pair of turf every single day of the year last year. So I'm just a pretty easy going. I, I mean, not a whole lot of flash. Just, uh, just trying to get by. You say shoes. I, I envision you're, you're, you're country guy. There's no mistaking that. I, I kind of envision you as a cowboy boots type guy. I do wear when we travel I, I'll more and more boots or, or ropers or, or something like that. Yeah. See, there you go. I, I, that's what I like to hear. Wade, certainly appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Uh, certainly look forward to seeing you back on the mound in 2021. Good luck the rest of the offseason. Stay healthy, man. And uh, we, we look forward to talking with you more down the road. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thomas. All right, that is Wade Miley, Reds pitcher. Expect to see him back in the rotation uh, next year. Uh, once we get things going in spring training. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening, and uh, big thanks to Austin Elmore for working through all the technical glitches back in our studio. Thanks to Cowboy Jeff Brantley, and, of course, thanks to Wade Miley. Jim Day is back next week. Reds Hot Stove League, same time on Wednesday next week here on the Reds Radio Network. Good night.